Our theme for this fall is this one simple question. Is it worth it? I think most of you that are here this, uh, today have been a part of kind of this conversation the last couple weeks, just really drilling down on it, is the church really worth it post-pandemic? And all of the shifts and everything that's happened over these last 18 months is gathering together regularly as the Jesus community. Is it worth it? And we've basically just come around two specific ideas that I think are central and important uh, to the future of the church. One is that church is a gathering. Like according to the New Testament, church is a gathering. Now that doesn't necessarily mean it's your classic Sunday morning in a building with a priest or a pastor or whatever. I, I think there's all sorts of different ways in which the church gathers, but at anything, whether it's in a big space, a cathedral, in, in a converted warehouse, at Goodwill Industries, on a mud hut floor, in a home, and by the way, I'm very much pro-home, home we're very much pro-home church and have, again, this hybrid type of vision. Whatever it is, I'm not as concerned about where as much as the church is a regular gathering together. And so this word ecclesia is simply gathering. It was a Roman Senate word that they would use in the Roman world for all sorts of things, basically meaning something you go to in assembly. And so we've been kind of saying that for a lot of people, they want church right now, especially post-pandemic, to be everything but a gathering. I know I was even, uh, I saw a book out by a great guy, I don't want to be critical, but it's kind of this idea that the church is wherever you go. And that's just, the New Testament would say, when it uses the word ecclesia, that it's actually a place in which you gather together. And so we just need to think through that. People, all of us need to think through, um, I would say the distinguishing, the distinguishing between being a disciple and the church. We're disciples everywhere we go. Jesus' presence goes with us everywhere we go, but we are the church when we're together. And then last week, we just drilled down on this idea that church is formation, that we believe in habits and formation basically in every other area of our lives, except for a lot of people when it comes to church. You know, the whole idea, and I know a lot of people on my age who've grown up in the church is like boring, right? Like church really like, what, what can information and what can like really in an hour on Sunday, what can that really do? And last week we actually just distilled down and we got some of you to share as we went through the major disciplines and the major things that we do, the five or six major things, songs, hymns, spiritual songs, teaching, coming to the table, prayer and intercession, all of these things, coming before the gathering to connect with each other in community, all of these things actually shape us. And... We believe in discipline in other areas of our lives. I've been at the rink. I don't even want to tell you how many hours I've been at the rink this weekend. You would judge me hardcore, okay? But this is my life. And it's rudimentary things over and over. And no parent is banging on the glass going, why are you doing this with my kids? Like, why are you teaching them to skate? Or why are you doing this drill for like the 15th week in a row? And yet again, sometimes when we think about church, we're like, it's got to be new and just like, it's got to be in your face and attractive. And I'm not against all of that. I just think it's funny that sometimes we understand the disciplines of our, our lives, but then with church, we want something else. And we've just been saying church is formative, that, that what we do, every sense, every, um, everything that's going on, even in our bodies this morning as we come together, is forming us and shaping us. You walk here, you meet people, we read the Psalms. We didn't sing this morning, but all, I just believe all of this actually forms us. Can you tell I'm a little pro-church? Anybody with me? And I, this is not because, honestly, I wrestled with this. This is not because I'm a pastor. Um, I am bought into this thing because I believe our habits shape us. 
All right. So thank you. Yeah, I got a woo. All right. That like woos from the back and woos from the front. I just feel really encouraged. But um, I'm not, a, a, again, I've already shared, I'm not like an overly confrontational guy, but there's just a lot of kind of ideas out there about the church is just everywhere you go. And I think the beautiful thing for the future will be the church gathered together. Now, with that said, I think most of us, I know most of us kind of around the horn here, um, we use this whole scripture verse from Hebrews, right? We talk about Hebrews 10 and in there, we don't know the writer of Hebrews exactly. A lot of people will go, well, the book of Hebrews just tells us not to neglect gathering together, right? Have you heard this? Like grandma tells grandson, like, listen, you need to go to church because Hebrew, there's a verse in Hebrews that says, do not stop get gathering together. And is it there? It's there. It's absolutely there. And I think it's kind of the cliche verse that people go to. But what I often find with some of these very popular verses that we just kind of cherry pick, we don't read the verses around them. That's what we're going to do today. So you have it on a piece of paper if you want it. We're going to read Hebrews 10. We're just going to read five verses. I'm going to talk for a couple minutes, and then we're going to give you some time just to connect with each other. This is what the, I was going to say, Paul. We don't know if it's Paul, the writer of Hebrews. I think it's Paul, just to let you know. Anyways, some of you theology people are like, really? Yeah, well, it's all good. That's it for another day. Um, Therefore, brothers and sisters, the writer says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly, there's the word of the day, to the hope we profess for he, uh, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's there, there's a ver it's there. There's instruction for us to continually gather together, to continually be together. But there's actually, when you think about it, and what we just read there, there's actually a whole lot more. Listen again, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over us, a great high priest over the house of God. Now, Hebrews, if you know, you have a little bit of background on the letter, is written primarily to a Jewish community. So there is like Jewish imagery just firing all over the place. And, you know, Paul wrote to the Gentile community a lot, but here is like Jewish stuff, high priest, temple language all over the place. And one of the pictures you get here that the writer gives us is that we can now enter into the most holy place. And if you know the ideas from the Old Testament around the temple, you know a couple things. One, who goes into the Holy of Holies? One dude, once a year, they put chains on his ankles because if he goes in and the presence of God kills him, they're not going in. They are literally fishing him out. This is the picture you get. The depth of that. Secondly, if you know the temple and tabernacle, I know this is kind of nerdy stuff, but this, this helps this passage come alive. The Holy of Holies was at the center, and there were all, there was different places in the temple that you could go. The Gentile people who weren't Jewish 
could only go a certain distance, could only go a certain way, and obviously on Yom Kippur, the high priest will go into the Holy of Holies and atone for the people. Now, what do we see here? Jesus is the great high priest, and at his death, the t we see this picture that the, t the curtain in the temple was torn, and now all of us get to enter God's presence confidently. That there's not this like barrier between us and the presence of God, but God's presence has actually come to us. Are you out there? Like this, this story is a absolute game changer. Now you can't talk about this. You can't talk about the veil being torn and the presence of God being offered and available to all of us without talking about the new temple. Temple is destroyed, we know, years later in the Roman Empire. It was destroyed twice actually. But now in the writers of the New Testament for the Jesus community, who is the temple? You and me, brothers and sisters. And there's glimmers here of that actually the people of God, when they get together, that is where the presence of God dwells. Do I believe the presence of God rests in us and we walk with God everywhere we go? Yes, but there's something unique that happens when the Jesus community gets together because we're not only the body, but we're actually this new temple where God breathes and dwells. You with me? So you can talk all you want, you know, like you can give the one, hey, you need to gather because there's a verse in Hebrews that says, don't neglect doing this. But do we understand that we are the temple of God? Verse 22, let us draw near to God, the writer says, with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So because of this, we get to draw near to God. We're cleansed from our guilt and our shame. And we have full assurance, the writer says, that our allegiance brings forth this life in God, in the presence of God. Then verse 23, I love this word, let us hold unswervingly. I want you to use that today, okay, at some point, just like for a notch today. Unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Um, this word unswervingly is aklines in, in Greek. Doesn't mean much to you, but it's without wavering. It's like a steadfastness. The picture you kind of get is not wavering one way or the other. We have this unwavering hope. So it goes on, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You notice something here? The writer over and over. Do you know the, notice what he's using over and over? Let us. Let us. This is a communal thing together. Spurring one another on to love and to good deeds. And here's, here's the big idea for this morning. When we read this, and you think about the formational nature of the gathered church, what does it do? Well, certainly it's a gathering. Yes, week one, week two, it, it forms us. What we do week in and week out forms and shapes us. But here's what we don't talk about a lot. The gathered church helps us persevere. This is what the church does. Well, and all the talk about, like, is this a church really worth it? I don't care what time. I don't care where. We're under a, a pretty freaking awesome pavilion here. I don't care where, when it is. Do, have we thought through that for the early Christians, this is what this writer is, is, I think, encouraging the community in. It helps us persevere. Why? Because being a Jesus follower in that day, and increasingly in our, our day, and I'm not taking this like woe is us posture to the world, but the fact is we are in the minority, and part of signing up to follow this Jesus thing is a life swimming upstream. 
Many of you know this. We all have experienced this. When we follow Jesus, we are swimming against the grain. And one of the things that the gathered church, and this is what the writer is saying here, is you don't neglect gathering together. Why? Because one of the things that this does, yes, in its formational nature of music and teaching and coming to the table and all that, one of the things it does is it helps us persevere. Because brothers and sisters, we need each other in this moment, just as they did in the first century in persevering. I know we don't have Caligula or Nero, these Roman empires who were nuts. So I know they were like killing Christians at the time. I know we don't maybe have that over us in our day here. Mind you, many of our brothers and sisters do around the world. There's more, been more people martyred in the last hundred years than all the centuries combined. They're not cheering for that though, okay? They're not cheering for that. That's, we're not cheering for that. That's not good, okay? I know we have it pretty comfy and cozy here, but we don't talk about this. The church is a place in space that helps us persevere. And this is why I'm in on this thing. And I'll just say this, and this is not scripture and verse. I don't have scripture and verse for this. This is just my opinion. This is not gospel truth. But most people that I know that have been on the deconstruction journey and kind of have walked away and haven't per persevered, Part of it is because they've disconnected from the regular gathering of people. And the re regular gathering of the church helps us persevere. You come to a place like this where we walk together, we engage each other, and you know as you go back out into where you're going to go in the coming days that you are not alone. You with me? There's a persevering nature to the church and its gathering. And this is why we need this more than ever in our moment. So the writer goes on, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, right? Encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so we see this day in our minds and our hearts, the hope of Jesus returning and making all things new. And we probably won't need church services and church gatherings in the future, in the future new earth, because God's world from corner to corner will be teeming with life and beauty and everybody will be under his rule. But more than ever, we need this now because I need you and you need me. And it's more than just what we see in a talk or really good music and worship. It's a deep sense that when we get together, we persevere together. You with me? And so I just want to encourage us, like as we face some of these questions and some of these doubts around does the church matter, um, I would say as we deepen ourselves in ever-increasing secular soil, we need this. We need each other. And this should be a, a community and a place where love and good deeds is put into action. And I just know, I know I'm a pastor, so you're like, dude, you live in, this is your world. But I just think of my, my own family. As we come to a community, if we were to disconnect from a community, how hard it would be to continue on in love and good deeds without a community of people that's spurring us on. So everything we think through, everything I think through here uh, in, in the present moment, but as well as in our future, is all about, okay, we gather together for a purpose. It forms us, it shapes us, and it helps us persevere, and it, and it spurs us on to love and good deeds. And so one of the things, we don't have like the bread and cup this morning. We started a little late, I know, because of the parking situation. But we just want to give opportunity for you to hang and be with each other for a few minutes before you go on with your day. And my heart, our heart, is just to continue to be this community that spurs each other on to loving the city and to loving our neighbor well and, and spurs us on to good deeds. The other thing that we're engaging in 
and you know this, is every season we have a spiritual practice that we're doing. And we wanted to encourage you. We are now uh, uh, positioning ourselves back into something called fixed hour prayer. If you go to our website, to the spiritual discipline part of our website, there's some resources and there's going to be more resources we're going to give over the fall around fixed hour prayer. Fixed, you, there'll be a talk there as well on prayer. But fixed hour prayer is a thing here where we just take time three times, two or three times a day to actually schedule in the daily office and fixed hour. And so we're going to be cultivating that over the, the fall months. There'll be lots of resources that we're going to have available to you. And we're just believing that this fall, as we kind of build these patterns and disciplines in, in our lives and in our community, that we will be spurred on to love and good deeds. So I'm going to do this, actually, in the weirdness of, like, church outside. I'm asking you to stand with me. Is that all right? We're going to close our morning by praying. Not close our morning. You, we want you to have some time together. But let me just pray over us today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for your love for us. And may we just in our minds and in our hearts, God, may you shape us around these words, not my words, but your word, King Jesus, who calls us into life together. Not because we're bored or because we don't have time. All of us have lives in this room. Some of us, this is the first maybe moment in time this week where we've really got to sit for a few minutes. But God, I pray that deep down within us, you would ingrain within us an understanding of why we do this. And I just pray that we'd be a persevering community, that the connection to the lifeblood of a, a church community would be something that would ground us and root us every week. Yes, it would form and shape us, but... Even deeper than that, it would help us as we press on to that day. As the writer talks here, that, that hopeful day, Jesus, we lean in knowing that that day is when you come to renew all things. So in the meantime, would you help us persevere? For some of us that feel the weight shift around us in the sense of our attention, maybe we are experiencing things in our own lives that where we'd have doubts about this or maybe even people in our lives that would question us. God, help us to be, I just pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to our brothers and sisters around us. That this connection to this body and this family, this would be a place where you would dwell. I pray these things in your name, King Jesus, knowing that you're good. And I pray for us as we just spend some time together, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.